Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the contents in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. I'm Bob Krebs, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. J.J. Wright is a Grammy Award-winning pianist, conductor, and composer. His latest CD from Dynamic Catholic is titled O Emmanuel and recently debuted at number three on the Billboard Classical Album Chart. It is an Advent and Christmas album that combines sacred music such as Gregorian chant with jazz and features the talents of Fifth House Ensemble and the Notre Dame Children's Choir. J.J. Wright is a former member of the Naval Academy Band and holds a master's degree in sacred music from the University of Notre Dame. J.J. joins us today from Rome, where he is working on his doctorate and interning with the Sistine Chapel Choir. J.J. Wright, welcome to Catholic Baltimore. Thanks so much for having me, Bob. It's a real pleasure to speak with you, and I, I gave our listeners a little bit of a background in your introduction, but if you would please just tell us a little bit more about yourself. Um, where are you from, and how did you get interested in music? Yeah, so I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and um, I started playing piano when I was 10 years old, uh, and from there, uh, quickly became very, very interested in music. Um, I had very supportive parents. Um, you know, I grew up in a Catholic household. Uh, we were regular churchgoers, and often said the rosary of the family, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, it was... I think it was at an early age that I I was at Mass one Sunday and listening to the music, I thought, you know, I, if I could make it my life's work to make the music in church excellent, you know, I think that's probably the best thing I could do with, with my life. And so from there, I, I just dove right in and studied jazz, I've studied classical piano, now I'm getting my doctorate in conducting. Mm. Um, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's how I ended up here. So tell us about O Emmanuel. How did that come about? Yeah, so O Emmanuel actually, it, it started originally as a commission from the Notre Dame Children's Choir. Hmm. And uh, the Notre Dame Children's Choir is a um, ecumenical uh, singing ensemble based out of South Bend, Indiana. And they're really formed, um, the purpose of the group is to engage children from a young age um, in sacred music, high-quality sacred music education and performance. And so, um, you know, I, I worked with the director there at Notre Dame, and there were a couple pieces that I had written before that the, the choir participated in, but um, he approached me about doing a full commission for a full concert that would that I would compose just for the children and sort of a mixed ensemble of musicians. And from there, it kind of just took off. I, I had the opportunity to meet with Matthew Kelly of Dynamic Catholic last mm-hmm. summer, mm-hmm. and this, you know, it, it was the stars kind of aligned because he said, you know, what, what do you think about doing a CD for Advent and Christmas? And I had already been talking to, to Mark Dory, the director, about um, doing this commission for the children's choir. So it was just kind of everything came into place at the right time. Now your CD is is a blend or a fusion of Gregorian chant and traditional hymns 
and then good old-fashioned American improv- uh, improvisational jazz. Now, how did that all come about, or is that just your personal um, taste? Well, I mean, I, my background is in jazz and um, and classical music and sacred music, and so I, when I was trying to create this piece, I I was thinking about ways that I could really tell the journey of this um, or describe the journey of these O antiphons, which is what the work is based on. Mm-hmm. Um, they're prayers from Advent that are very ancient prayers, um, and they have this beautiful imagery sort of interwoven inside of them all. And my hope was that I could use different styles of music to unveil uh, the mysteries that is that are present um, inside of each text. And so um, earlier on in the piece, um, there's a lot more uh, chant infused in, into the music itself. And, you know, each of these O antiphons has its own Gregorian chant melody. So there's there's great material that's for the taking um, available. But at the same time, you know, there was, there's a certain movement right in the middle of the piece where the text is, O radiant dawn, shine on those who dwell in darkness. And it just, it was screaming for, for this just vibrant, uh, jazz setting with improvisation and with with the tambourine and the kids just having a very joyful melody and so um, so yeah I, what I was really hoping to be able to do is use these different styles to to just bring to life all the different facets of these texts. You worked with Fifth House Ensemble. Tell us a little about that group and and what that group brought to the recording. Yeah, Fifth House Ensemble. They're they're just uh, an amazing group of musicians. It's a Sort of like a collaborative um, guild, I guess, in a sense. Not, uh, they they work to perform new music, contemporary classical music mostly, and um, they're just all incredible musicians. And so, um, when I was trying to figure out who who we could get to join the project, they just seemed like a perfect fit. They're based in Chicago, and um, we recorded this at Notre Dame in South Bend, and so it was just Chicago was only about an hour and a half away, so. Mm-hmm. It, it was easy to get them into South Bend, and they added so much to the project. So I, I'm really grateful that they were able to participate. So uh, what was it like working with the, the the Notre Dame Children's Choir? That's quite a large group, is it not? It is, yeah. I mean, they the entire organization has about 200 singers, which is incredible mm. given the fact that it started three years ago um, with 20 members. And so it's in the South Bend area, it's just exploded, which I think speaks to a a really big need for for the churches to be able to provide this sort of quality um, musical education and sacred music. and um, But getting the chance to work with them was incredible. I mean, I, I got to see the process all the way through. And so I, you know, I wrote the piece, and then I attended most of the rehearsals, and we did a, a pre- premiere performance last Advent. And then, you know, going through the whole recording process with them was just, it was you know, they they were so full of joy in the whole process. And to be able to um, create a new musical work that is based, you know, coming out of the tradition of of Catholic sacred music, um, specifically for these young people now, is just an honor for me to be able to do because it's an experience that they're going to take with them for the rest of their lives. Yeah, I hope you like kids, right? <laughs> Working with other children. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, I have three of my own, also. So oh, great! <laughs> pretty, uh, I'm pretty comfortable around them. 
Dynamic Catholic is known for its website and for its books. Uh, how did you, your, the partnership with, with them come about, since this is kind of out of their usual um, comfort zone? Right, yeah. It's it's their first um, project, releasing a CD, and um, their mission is really to re-energize the church with world-class resources and to, to help people sort of re-engage in, in their spiritual and faith lives. And um, I had the chance to meet with Matthew Kelly, uh, like I said, last summer, and um, he thought it would be a really good way to sort of give it a try, for the organization to give it a shot and to see... Um, would they be able to sort of apply all of their organizational principles um, to to providing this ministry of music um, to the church in the United States? And um, it's I, they are an incredible company, and it's it's really been a pleasure to work with them because of how um, innovative they are and how just how well resourced and able to. to to sort of meet the needs, I think, of a lot of what um, American Catholics are looking for. So what do you want your listener to get out of O. Emmanuel? You know, I'm really hoping that the listener can can listen to the music and find a way to uh, engage in a meaningful way um, through the Advent and Christmas seasons. I think so often um, after Thanksgiving, you know, the whole world just goes into Christmas mode and the entire season sort of gets uh, replaced with that. Mm-hmm. And there's so much richness in, in Advent and there's so much it can add to our spiritual lives to be able to meditate on the mysteries of Advent. And I hope that O Emmanuel can be a tool to really help people engage in a new and creative way with what this uh, season has to offer. Mm-hmm. So I guess the best way for our listeners to get a copy of O. Emmanuel is uh, at dynamiccatholic.com? Yeah, and there's, uh, it has its own site, too, called oemmanuel.com. There's a bunch more info about the project and some videos and information about ordering the CD. Awesome. J.J. Wright, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you're very busy over there at the Sistine Chapel and uh, working in Rome. And have a blessed Advent season and Christmas. All right, you too, Bob. Thanks again for having me. For Catholic Baltimore, I'm Bob Krebs. Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. A committee comprised of pastors and key staff members from the Catholic Center will meet in early December to consider feedback on the proposed planning process in which parishes will be reorganized into pastorates. At the first of four feedback meetings, about 90 parish leaders from 21 parishes in the western and central parts of the Archdiocese gathered November 9th at Holy Family Parish in Middletown to provide feedback from parish pastoral and finance councils, as well as parishioners themselves, to the Archdiocesan Planning Office. The proposed model focuses on the mission of the Church to help Catholics become missionary disciples who are then empowered to evangelize others. Each parish in the Archdiocese will be part of a pastorate, with from one to five parishes grouped together with one pastoral leader and leadership team. Following additional meetings, feedback will be considered by a committee called the Design Team and presented to Archbishop William E. Laurie and his senior staff for revisions to the proposed model in the coming months. The final plan will be presented in February to the Presbyteral Council, an Archdiocese-wide committee of priests who advise the Archbishop before the Archbishop formally announces the results. 
For coverage of this initiative as it unfolds, visit catholicreview.org. Also at catholicreview.org. Nearly one month after the U.S. presidential election, religious leaders continue to speak out for religious freedom. Just before Thanksgiving, Archbishop Laurie hosted a panel discussion at Mount St. Mary's University in Emmitsburg on religious freedom. The panel included academics, lawyers, and clergy from Catholic, Protestant, and Jewish traditions. Find these stories and many more at catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is Eric Zygmunt. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android. And follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. I'm Bob Krebs, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. Heidi Saxton is the editorial director of Servant Books. Her latest book is titled Advent with St. Teresa of Calcutta and includes 28 daily meditations. Heidi Saxton, welcome to Catholic Baltimore. Thanks, Bob. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. We're going to be talking about your book, but just give our listeners a little uh, information about you, if you don't mind. Sure, sure. Uh, I'm an adoptive mom of two teenagers. My husband and I uh, adopted them in 2005. Um, I've written uh, several books, but my most recent one is uh, the one that we're talking about today, Advent with St. Teresa of Calcutta. And uh, and I'm really um, blessed to be able to write about her because she was a really influential part of my conversion experience. I became Catholic in 1995. And um, I was an evangelical missionary at the time. I was—I had just finished my Bible school degree, had spent a year in Africa, and, and traveled in some parts of Europe. And uh, when I encountered one of her books, it, it just really touched my heart with her vision for 
what it means to be a Christian um, and, and expressing the love of God to those who don't know him. And her, her writings really challenged me to take another look at my life and what, how, how I could best serve God and um, be a Christian that was a truly loving person in the world, a force for love. Mm. And so when I had an opportunity to write this book, I saw this as an opportunity to go back and see what else uh, Mother Teresa had to say about what it means to love other people. And um, this book was the fruit of that research. Yeah. Well, there are so many books out about uh, St. Teresa of Calcutta. Uh, what makes this book different? I think part of it is that um, I've, I've taken pains to really internalize her story and to process it. Now, unlike many people who've written books about Mother Teresa, I never met her personally. And so I, this book, if you're looking for somebody who can do an in-person interview with Mother Teresa or, uh, you know, had a chance to actually know her in person, you won't want this book. But this book is for people who look at the life and the witness of Mother Teresa and say, wow, I could never be like that. I could never do that. What, what could she what, could, what can I learn from her, and what can I do to apply her teachings and her spirituality and her love and her witness in my own life and in my own way? And so that's what I try to do with this book, just by writing very short meditations based on the, each day's readings and um, with excerpts from her life and from her writings. I read more than 24 of her books, either by or about her, and just gleaned the stories that made the most... Um, the strongest impression on me, and I'm hoping that your readers will um, pick this up and find just a little bit of inspiration for the season of Advent, which is a time of waiting and a time of hope. And it also is a time of great uh, darkness for some people. And so, you know, because we're waiting for that light, who is Christ. And so uh, reading the life of Mother Teresa during Advent, you see some of the themes from her life, and you realize that there's a lot of overlap there. So reading it during, especially during Advent, is a really powerful experience to be able to um, draw from, I think. As you mentioned, you did tremendous research for this book, Heidi. Uh, is there anything in particular that surprised you, something that you really didn't know that uh, that kind of, well, you went, wow. <laughs> One of the things that struck me most when I was doing the research was um, many people have heard of uh, the call within the call that uh, Mother Teresa received in 1946. Uh, when she was on a train uh, going on retreat out of Kolkata and leaving the country, uh, to, leaving to go to a country re retreat. And um, we're familiar with that, the idea that she received that call to go serve the poorest of the poor in Calcutta. But what I didn't re realize until I was uh, reading more carefully uh, her life story was that she was 36 years old at the that time. And she was terribly sick. She had just contracted tuberculosis after going through the Calcutta riots. She had been a teacher at that time. She had been struggling to take care of the girls that were in her care. And she had gotten very sick as a result. And so she traveled out to go on retreat to sort of regain her health. And that was at that point that God chose to call her to life in the, in the slums and reaching out to the poorest of the poor. And he called her in a very real way to become a mother. And that was really personally relevant to me because I was 38 years old when God called me to be a mother and 35 when he called me to be a wife. And it was a real change of life. I went from being, you know, oriented towards missions and serving in full-time ministry. And all of a sudden God said, okay, this is the new chapter that I have for you. And you're going to become a wife and mother and raise these two special needs kids. And your life is going to radically change. 
and um, reading her story and realizing that she was around the same age as I was when, she, when I got my call helped me to realize that, you know, God calls us all at different times, and it's not always at the expected time, and it's not always in our 20s when we're young and have lots of energy. Sometimes God calls us to do things, new things, and in new ways at a time in our life when we think that it's time to coast, and it's Mm. time to just, you know, settle in and just reap the benefits of the work that we've already done. And um, the other thing that struck me was that she, once she accepted that call and said yes, she, her life, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the book, Come Be My Light. It talks about you know, her private writings and her private letters. And if you read that book, you realize that she was plunged into a time of great darkness that lasted for decades. And she followed God, and she followed in obedience, and she tried to do the work that God had given her to do, even though she couldn't feel the presence of God in her life. And that was something that was very, um, you know, for most of us, we can't think that, you know, that what that must have been like. Um, and yet, on the other hand, m- many of us have gone through times of great darkness where we couldn't feel God's presence, and we couldn't, um, you know, sense that God was talking to us, and yet we continued that out of a sense of faithfulness. And Mother Teresa, by her life, showed us that it's possible to love God even when you don't feel Him presence and to c- maintain that path that He has set for us, and that God is when we do this, that, that this is the way of sainthood, this is the way of making it towards heaven, it's just by following, not by our feelings, but out of obedience, out of love for God. After a reader follow, you know, reads this book, uh, follows uh, through Advent and the Christmas season, uh, what do you want the, the end result to be? What do you want the readers to, to take away from the book? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, one of the things most Mother Teresa uh, frequently said was do small things out of great love. And if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Mm. And I think these holiday seasons uh, are are times when we're frequently thrown in contact with people who don't share our worldview or who are resistant to the message of the Catholic faith. And I think these ideas of going and doing small things out of great love and doing it all out of love for God and not based on how we feel like acting, I think that is something, that is the message of St. Teresa, um, and that is something that we can really take to heart. So that would be the one thing that I would really encourage your readers to consider mm-hmm. after reading this book. And then I understand after Advent and Christmas is over, uh, people will have the opportunity to spend Lent with um, St. <laughs> Teresa of Calcutta. You have a new book yes. coming out? Yeah. <laughs> when will that yes. book be out? And I'll be coming out in January, so if you have uh, a parish group or some other group that you would like to be able to uh, do you know, some spiritual reading for Lent, that book will be out in January, and it's available awesome. through Franciscan Media, uh, or you can buy it through Amazon.com uh, or through your local bookstore, wherever uh, you typically pick up books. Right. Uh, Franciscan Media is often the best place to do it, because when you buy from Franciscan Media, a higher percentage goes towards the work of Franciscans. And so I always like to encourage people to buy directly from Franciscan Media if possible. And I understand that the proceeds from this book will will go to Franciscan Evangelical Ministry. Is that correct? Uh, there, the, it all goes to work to support the work of Franciscan Media. And so Franciscan Media is one part of that larger yeah. uh, organization. So That's awesome. Yes, it's a... Yeah, Mother Mother Teresa wasn't a Franciscan, but, uh, you know, technically, but she I think her life really embodied the Franciscan spirit, and so that was another reason I was really pleased to be able to put these books together for Franciscans. Awesome.
awesome. Heidi, have a great Advent season and Merry Christmas to you. You too. God bless you. You can get your copy of Advent with St. Teresa of Calcutta Daily Meditations at shop.franciscanmedia.org or at your favorite Catholic bookstore or online retailer. For Catholic Baltimore, I'm Bob Krebs. For over 200 years, the Archdiocese of Baltimore's Catholic schools have welcomed families of all faiths, providing generations of students with an academically excellent value-based education taught in a Christ-centered environment. With a 99% graduation rate, the highest in the nation, and a 98% college attendance rate, Catholic school graduates are better prepared to succeed in college and beyond. But Catholic schools offer more than an education. They offer tradition, family, faith, and the opportunity for students to grow as individuals and as future leaders in their community. Discover these and other benefits of a Catholic school and learn more about why Catholic schools are an unparalleled value in education in the Baltimore region. Call 1-800-5-CATHOLIC or visit www.archbalt.org. Catholic schools, a place to grow. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.